0: And bear with me. I got a little allergy thing going. So, <clears throat> good, morning. Good, morning. good morning. So I feel a little need to put a little background to this um, so-called sermon. Um, so my good friend Christopher Darcy was actually supposed to deliver this for me. Um, this was an auction item that I I bought. Um, so what a waste of my money at this point. <laughs> Um, since I'm I'm not giving it. Um, uh, But if you don't like to give a sermon and you offers it again this year, I I think it's a great idea. Um, So that's my service auction plug, by the way. So my real hot button issue is trash. I hate trash. I hate everything about trash. I wanted to talk about the giant Atlantic and Pacific trash dumps. I was going to show you videos and I was going to tell you stories about where my mother came from, that was this beautiful little island, and then became trashy, and then was cleaned up. Um, I wanted to read a children's story about plastic bags made into tote bags in Africa. Um, I was actually going to bring in a week's worth of household garbage and dump it right here on the floor. (laughs) But then something changed. This past Thanksgiving, Tamara and I were spending time with family, and I started to really think about water. And not just about clean drinking water, it was more about why some people have it and some people don't, and how some people are allowed to pollute and control and use deception when it comes to water. So I am a water person. It feeds me. I love the sound of it. I love the feel of it. I love the endless motion. My grandfather and my uncles were fishermen. My mother's from a very small island. Um, At one point, many years ago, we had a small cabin on an island. Um, We're lucky enough to live very close to the Potomac, as well as have a place at the beach. I believe it makes you value water cleanliness when you're near it, or at least it should. So I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, and the Bible talks a lot about water, It talks about water as a gift. It talks about water as a punishment. It talks about withholding water from people. My mother would say, actually she just said this the other night, that the only good thing that the Bible has to say about water is when it's turned into wine. (laughs) Egyptian chef Marcus Samuelson said, For many of us, clean water is so plentiful and so readily available that we rarely, if ever, pause to consider what life would be like without it. So I want you to just take a moment and think about your day so far. You woke up, you went to the bathroom, you brushed your teeth, you got some coffee or tea. Not necessarily in this order, I don't know your routines. It's kind of mine, but, but I want you to think, you came here, we have water, we have tea, we have coffee, we have a bathroom. What if all that changed? You came here, and I did think about doing this, was cutting off our water supply. I, yeah. <laughs> I thought it wasn't very friendly if we had newcomers. <laughs> and then we sold you bottled water. Right. Um, we had no tea. Water for tea, and God forbid we had no coffee. <laughs> now, we don't talk about God a whole lot here, but God forbid we had no coffee. <laughs> Thank goodness somebody made it this morning, right? All that changes. Your whole day changes. Everything about your life can change. So, tomorrow I'm in Chicago, enjoying a cup of coffee, tea, and reading the newspaper in our jammies one morning with family, <clears throat> and I come across a New York Times article in the magazine about a town in West Virginia called Parkersburg. Beautiful Parkersburg, West Virginia. There was supposed to be a picture coming up, but that's alright. Yeah. So Parkersburg is a quiet farming community. The DuPont Company had a Teflon manufacturing plant in that area. They approached the family about buying some acreage for a landfill. They assured the landowners That they would only dispose of non-toxic materials. Long story short, the landowners began to notice their livestock were diseased and dying. There were birth defects in local factory workers' children. turned out to be they were dumping toxic waste from the production of Teflon products. In the beginning, no one wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to report it, what they saw or what they thought was happening. Because, according to the landowner, who would listen to the little guy? Investigations and lawsuits followed, and eventually the landowners and some workers were compensated. The compensation is still being handled by the legal system, um, which actually a lot of that money is held up and then is spent on lawyers to distribute the money. So I was appalled at this. I was angry. I was outraged. Fascinated. But outraged. How could this happen? In the meantime, the Flint, Michigan story was really heating up. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody here knows the basic info about the Flint, Michigan story. Um, Residents had their water switched from a treated city water facility to taking water from Lake Huron and it was pumped piped through lead pipes, therefore lead poisoning. I felt angry about that also, I thought once again, how does this happen? I was asked back in February to commit to going to a march in Richmond for water rights. <laughs> uh, Tamara had a work conflict and um, I had committed to being home. Ironically, I ended up meeting a woman who works with Tamar and Catherine um, whose uh, mother-in-law still lives in Flint, Michigan. So once again, over coffee and tea, we had a discussion about Flint. So I said, you know, I asked a lot of questions about what was going on. um, And she asked me about my interests. And I said, well, I'm giving this talk at at church. And she said, are you a preacher? (laughs) Ha. (laughs) I said, no, I'm just giving a a talk. She said, so you're testifying. Giving a testimonial. So now... You can all say you heard me testify. <laughs> so, this co worker, the husband's mother is in Flint. She cannot drink her water. She cannot eat what she normally eats. Some days you don't brush your teeth, she said. Buying bottled water is what we spend our money on. She referred to what goes on as genocide from a woman who never complains about anything. Genocide. Mm -mm. She said she felt helpless. As far back as 1991, the EPA published the lead and copper rule to control lead and copper being delivered in water. There's been a downward spiral in this country ever since. So in our household, recently, we had our hot water tank replaced. It smelled terrible. The new water came out. I took a 30-second shower the first day. Maybe a minute the next day. But the smell dissipated. But while I'm in there, I'm thinking, do I open my eyes? Do I open my mouth? Could I get sick from this? What about my skin? What if I had to do that every day? What if I had to, for months, put up with that? Or years, like Flint? So fortunately for you all, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. And as I'm thinking about all these dirty water events happening, more of them keep happening. So I'm writing all this down. One of the most disturbing of the headlines that I came across was a story about Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. Camp Lejeune is a US Marine Corps base that was established in 1942. In 1982, the Marine Corps discovered that volatile organic compounds were discovered in the drinking water on base. So between 1953 and 1985, there were toxins leaking into the water supply on that base. An off-base dry cleaning company was blamed. An off-base company cleaning military equipment was blamed. And as well as leaks from underground fuel storage tanks. But not until 1997 did the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry investigate. And what they found spiraled. In 1999 the US Marine Corps began to notify base residents that they may have consumed contaminated water while on base. They may have caused possible birth defects in their children. 1999. Of course, they should have told people earlier, but why didn't they and why didn't others report it? Why did not any people not say anything? Once again, who would listen? There are federal laws in place to protect citizens from contaminated water, such as the Federal Water Pollution Control Act, better known as the Clean Water Act, which regulates discharge. The human right to water was recognized in July of 2010 by the UN General Assembly. The clearest definition is the human right to water entitles everyone to sufficient, safe, acceptable, physically accessible, and affordable water for personal and domestic uses. But water is so familiar, it's easy to take it for granted. More than 70% of the Earth's surface is covered by water, and our bodies have between 65 and 70. You weren't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> According to CNBC from the EPA, only nine states are reporting safe levels of lead in their water supply. Nine states. 41 states have exceeded the safe lead levels in the last three years. Keep in mind, it's a, you can be slightly above, slightly below. It's not like saying everybody's water is, is lead-laden, but is it safe? An estimated $50 billion is spent on sanitation and water in the U.S. every year. However, despite this, only two states' constitutions mention a right to water, Massachusetts and Pennsylvania, my home state. I my add. <clears throat> Just last week, reports broke about Dominion's coal ash dumping in Dumfries. Coal ash is the byproduct of burning coal for energy. It contains hazardous chemicals like arsenic, lead, and mercury. The ash gets dumped into a ditch, and then it's filled with water. These so-called ponds had not been federally regulated until 2014. This past January, a contentious debate began as to whether Dominion Virginia Power should be allowed to divert water from coal ponds into nearby Quantico Creek. If you look at this map, you may be thinking Quantico Creek, and if you know above that is where the Potomac comes in. So if you look At that, do not think to yourself, we're right here near the Potomac. Mind you, today I'm only referring to recent events in the U.S. But water atrocities occur all over the world. Some water experts say our focus should not be on the quality of water, but rather the infrastructure that delivers water to our homes, schools, daycares, and cities. Water moves through an endless journey between the earth and the sky. So I then have to ask, what about rain collection in rain barrels? Anybody know what's going on in Colorado? Colorado, there's much debate right now over who owns water that falls from the sky, ends up in the rivers. If it ends up in a rain barrel, it might not be yours. So what's next? Years before Flint's scandal, Madison, Wisconsin did something unusual. They fixed their lead pipes. Madison, Wisconsin replaced more than 8,000 lead pipes. It's believed to be the only community in in the country to have taken such a radical step. They did this 15 years ago. And their population was about two times the size of Detroit in 2010. Water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink, are lines from the rhyme of the ancient mariner. The speaker is a sailor who, while on a ship, is unable to move for days. He is surrounded by salt water that he cannot drink. These lines are used to describe a situation in which someone is in the midst of plenty but cannot partake. So I'll leave you with one question Is this where we're heading?